I will this to be, and in this blessing I am free. Thank you all spirits subjected to me. Welcome to the Hocus Hole, the spiritual free fall into all things esoteric, arcane, and the occult. I'm Dara Crowley. And I'm Lee Lynch. And what's up? This is episode three. Is it episode three? It is episode three. It's a delayed episode three. To all our fans out there who were devastated last month. To our three fans out there. All <laughs> three of you, we are so sorry uh, that we missed you last month. But we are back. We're back, yeah. And we're going to try things. Well, more or less the same is not a gig at this point where we kind of, we talk about, we talk about the occult magic in kind of layman's terms and we just sort of explain it if we just want to have a a peek down the rabbit hole so yeah um today's episode is all about talismans and amulets magic bling yeah magic bling fucking you have your you have your magical rolex on and your or the remember the casio watches Do you remember casio calculators well, they still make watches. They oh. still make, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, member because, like, I don't, I don't wear Casio watches. Anymore. I don't wear watches in general, so it's because you can't tell the time. I can tell the time. I just, I, I just hate having a watch on. I used to get called. I used to get awfully bullied for wearing a a, a watch on my left wrist. No, on my right wrist. On your right, yeah. Because apparently you're meant to wear it on your left, but I'm fucking left-handed. But like I don't want to have to stop what I'm doing. I'm yeah. I don't get like it's one of those stupid like male things. Like oh, if you're a man, you have to. I wear used to be if you're a woman, you ostracized over doing it. Wait, is it a man? Like, is it like it's a man woman thing? Woman's supposed to wear it on a right. Oh fuck that! I shit, don't know man. why. It's weird. Gender's a, a social construct, just like time. I don't get it. Anyway, so yeah, talismans and amulets are very similar. I mean, everyone's kind of heard of them. But a lot of the times they're kind of used interchangeably um, outside of magical texts, at least. Um, but they actually are two separate things. Um, and probably not everyone, but you probably know someone and maybe they don't even realize it. Who, who's probably wearing an amulet or talisman um, right now. Um, they might even be wearing it, but technically it is an amulet and talisman. So you can annoy all your friends. You can annoy um your like any Christians you know, and by telling them that the rosary bead that they wear is actually, or the cross they wear is actually an amulet, and you can annoy people, and that's on us, you know. Like we we we'll take credit for that. Send them back to, yeah, them back to us. If they ask, why are you bullying yeah. them? Yeah. Just say, yeah. well, Hoax Hole said so. Yeah, well, no, we're not promoting bullying, Lee. This isn't bullying. <laughs> I'm just saying, a light annoyance. Oh, sorry, light bullying. Annoyance, yeah. sorry. A- annoyance. Anyway, so yeah, the purpose of today's episode is that we're going to talk about amulets and talismans, and we're going to talk about the differences between the two and the similarities between the two, and then we're going to break down kind of the history of each, um, and then we just kind of have a discussion about symbolism and stuff. The reason why I wanted to do amulets and talismans kind of early on is that I suppose magic, a lot of magic is about, like we covered it a little bit with necromancy, um, correspondences. 
um, symbolism, how certain things relate to different things. So if you wanted to make, do a, a ritual to do with love, then all the different, the, the planet for that would be Venus, then the color would be red or pink or off-white and stuff like that. So it's all about correspondence. And, all. and I think that's a really important part of magical thought. So I think talismans and amulets, they're physical manifestations of that. So I just think it'd be an easier, kind of less abstract way to kind of visualize that. Um, yeah, I think it's a good thing to get into early on and uh, explain different things. Yeah, and like you'll you'll know how to, to like make these things and all, and then you can alienate your friends and family even further by like wearing like fucking dead cats and stuff like that and decapitated squirrels i knew you were gonna say that as soon as i said dead cat i was like i'm fucking walked in it now you walked right into that one i don't decapitate squirrels this is a very dangerous inside joke (laughs) it could be worse it really could be i could be accusing you of much worse stuff um so anyway yeah so we'll dive straight in so merriam webster Go down, Merriam. So the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines charms as a practice, um, a practice or expression believed to have magical power. Something worn about the person to ward off evil or ensure good fortune. So just for simplicity's sake, when we're referring to amulets and talismans together, we'll just call them charms, that they're types of charms. But that's just... For the purposes of this episode. Um, but we'll talk about the differences between amulets and talismans. I mean, I suppose they just kind of, they're they're similar. And I suppose they've kind of gotten mixed up, like, throughout history, I suppose. I mean, it's probably a very recent, the categorizations of them are probably very recent. Um, a lot of talismans can operate like amulets and vice versa what's the reason for the difference differentiation that they're so similar um well we'll literally get into that right now so the idea of an amulet is that it keeps away evil um harmful magic bad forces it it's protection you know um so the apotropaic magic so yeah amulets are apotropaic magic which are protective magic um, so anything, apotropaic magic is mainly amulets, but anything that's to do with like protection and stuff like protection rites, magical circles, that's all protective magic. Whereas talismans, talismans empower and conduct a magical power for a specific purpose. So if you see amulets as a light bulb, it's stationary, it glows out, it's telling people, not telling people where you are, that'd be a shit amulet. Hey, he's over here. Yo, demons, I'm here. Yeah, but the an amulet is a light bulb, you know? So it's like, it's stationary, it admits, it kind of stays where it is. A talisman is a wire, you know? that Not that it necessarily gets the the power to the, to the, the amulet, but in the sense that it conducts, you know what I mean? It's going somewhere. Um... So that's auspicious magic. So that's out there, do you know what I mean? It's projecting. It has a specific purpose. 
Guanamala um, well, is your your router. Talisman is your fiber optic cable. Yeah, pretty much. So amulets you'd wear kind of like just so, like no one can hurt me and stuff like that. Um, I'm gonna wear an amulet that protects me from storms. They can't. We'll talk a bit about that later, and that's where the crossover comes. We were talking about amulets can protect you from specific things. More often than not, they're quite general. And then talismans are more like rather than protections, like I want to. This is gonna bring me love, or I want this to be empowered with a particular ability of a particular like spirit. Um, I want this to blind all my enemies. Um, there's some really another reason why I wanted to do this episode is there's some really just fun examples of just like just requests and like the kind of talismans out there. Where would um crystals fall under talismans? They're more conducive of energy. Um, they could be either. Like, amulets are normally natural forms, so like crystals. Um, and then talismans can be natural and man-made. You know, it's they can both be either. Do you know what I mean? But it's more likely for amulets to be like natural stuff and all. Um, because right. if you just yeah. think about it naturally, like the first, like. Just a weird looking stone. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you have hag stones, which are actually a traditionally Irish, English, Scottish. Um, they are kind of a nice crossover, but the whole idea that they were a stone and they had like a, they have like a little hole in the middle of them, and it could be like um, erosion. But some people say the whole folklore behind it is that um, it's adders, snakes. That like when they were leaving when St. Patrick was like, Come on, lads, mum, get out. Okay. Um they eroded through like all these stones. So some people say hag stones, oh, because of the hole, you can wear it, you can loop rope around it and wear it around your neck, and it's an amulet, and then other people say, Oh, it's like just using an example, it became like about oh, you wear it for these specific things, it's healing, it's stuff, and then it slowly turns into a talisman, do you know what I mean? It has more specific purpose. You get me? But like a lot more often than not, talismans are kind of man-made because talismans can be like we're gonna see some wacky examples. Like talismans can be buildings, um, and it there's no reason that a tal- your car couldn't be a talisman. I I will consecrate someone's car just so just for the fun of it. I will make someone's car and do talisman so the word amulet is derived from the latin um so yeah amuletum which means an object that offers protection literally what it says in the tin um ancient egypt which ancient egypt is always we're just starting off in babylon or starting off in ancient Egypt with most of these episodes they're always cropping up they're always doing something aren't they Ah, the old sneaky egyptians Uh, they're the mad lads for the magic um, well a lot of people agree that magic kind of originated in Babylon but it really magic as we know it today especially western magic really kind of started to take shape in ancient Egypt and then Greco um, Egypt not Ireland what not Ireland no 
Oh, no. Well, it's all over the world, but like as in like ceremonial magic and stuff, like where all the the Latin grimoires and stuff like that. Um, a lot of those come. You can see the early beginnings of those grimoires from like stuff like the Greek magical papyri and curse tablets and stuff. Pretty magic it though before other people. Yeah, then you're getting into the discussion of magic, religion, and mysteries. Right. God, this is derailed already. Um, yeah, we wear. Yeah, we I wear. suppose. Just a different type of magic. I guess. A different kind of magic, but yeah. it was more like that. Was more like pagan kind of folk folk magic, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but what I mean is that from Egypt, that's where a lot of the ideas of like ceremonial magic, in particular, comes from. So the more mainstream magic came from. Yeah, the more yeah, magic that's more. like, well, like Alistair Crowley would have practiced and stuff like that, like written down stuff rather than like Druidic and stuff, you know? That's like so a very specific so in a path. sense, you could say Ireland are like the hipsters of magic. Yeah, but if you said Ireland are the hipsters of magic, you'd be also saying everywhere else. Because everyone else had their own system, but... Right, okay. Wow. Now, <laughs> um, the only reason I asked that is because I know Ireland were doing mad shit early on, so, yeah. Yeah, but I suppose that's the, the thing about history. We were all doing mad shit early on. Right. It's just that no one really knew, so everyone was like, ah, we're the only ones doing mad shit. You know, <laughs> everyone else is yeah, doing fucking... <laughs> it's like when someone invents fire, they're just like, oh, you, you, we invented fire, and then someone's like, yeah, we did that, like, two months ago. Do we know where the origins of fire came from? Like, where did it start? I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm. I should know this, but someone messaged us on Instagram. We, we'll probably have googled it by then, but message us anyway. Well, like obviously, just someone discovered it one day. Fair. Like people just rubbing stones together or whatever. Hiding from dinosaurs in their caves and rubbing stones. Not hiding together. from dinosaurs. That's the historical inaccuracy. I will not stand for. <laughs> I will not stand for that. So yeah, ancient um. Egypt was especially kind of before the um before the plat- um platonomy and before um the Alexandrian era the Greco-Roman Egypt what is ancient Egypt like what is that I would classify so what I mean in this context is that before the the age of the pharaohs before the um polemic pharaohs is that before Christ? Um, some of ancient Egypt is, and then some of it will be around the same time. So they were around at the same time? Yeah, but like, when I say ancient Egypt, like it's, it, that's very generalized, you know? But what I'm, okay. what I'm specifically talking about is before Egypt was invaded by the Greeks, then the Romans. Yeah, okay. Um, so... Yeah, so around then they were really common. Um, like a really good example is um, an amulet depicting um, the Tawirit. Tawirit. I'm so bad at pronunciations today, but she's a hippo goddess of fertility, um, and basically a pregnant woman would wear that around her neck to kind of protect the baby in the womb from any harm. Um, and then when the baby is born, the mother could pull in a new amulet, which is 
depicting Bess, which is just a little hairy guy, um, and he's a protector of children, which I always imagine Bess as um, Danny DeVito, a small, hairy man. Um, Perfect. Just wear a picture of Danny DeVito on your chest. Yeah, just literally. People probably do do that at Danny DeVito Hamlet. Yeah, that's probably out there. Um, one of the most well-known symbols, like everyone knows this. Um, the ank is probably one of the most recognizable amulets, and probably one of the most recognizable esoteric symbols next to the pentagram. Um, I would. Um, well, listeners, you're in for a treat because I brought visual aid. I mean, we'll you'll just see it up online later, but. Right now, just visualize. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so the ank is the the cross with the little loop at the top um, associated with goth subculture um, and stuff like that. Um, the ank is, a lot of time, it can symbolize womanhood. Um, but generally, it's it comes from the, from the Egyptian hieroglyph for life. Um, it's a symbol of life, and it's often depicted on in hieroglyphic art. Um, the gods handing them the ankh to pharaohs, and then so on. Um, a lot of the times, anks were pr- just amulets, so they were for protection. Um, the symbolism of it was that of the gods handing down to the rulers of the nations, because remember that people literally thought that the pharaohs are. Like had the right to rule because of gods, they are related yeah. to the gods. Um, so they're handing down life. The gods are handing down life to the rulers of the nation, and it kind of it symbolizes kind of a microcosm of the cycles of birth and creation being repeated every day. So the sun rising and the sun setting and stuff like that, which is a very important part of um kind of mythological Egyptian cosmology. Um. Again, talking about more recognizable symbols. These are all just uh, examples um, of amulets and how, like, their application and how important they were to everyday life, which you can see from the reason why I'm doing this is you'll see um, shortly now the evolution of these amulets and how talismans kind of come about. Do you think if an ancient Egyptian was, like, transported at these times Mm -hmm. now, like someone who was like massively like big support of pharaohs and gods and all that. I think they'd be disheartened by like the way the world is now and like looking at it and be like, do you think to sit there and be like, fuck, we were massively way off? Or would they be like, fuck. but they have no, so they just came here and they have no context of what they say. They might yeah. think they're in like with the gods or they might think that they're they're in duat, they're under the underworld or whatever. Well, there's these metal things moving around. Like they have no context to everything. Say people have magic mirrors in their hands, phone and stuff like that. They have no concept. Well, it's probably be very annoyed. They think they're with the gods. They'd be very annoyed um, yeah. about Egypt's current situation. Put them in Egypt now. Oh no. I wouldn't be too happy. <laughs> put, put them beside one of the pyramids, right? Facing towards the pyramid, then turn them around and let them see the massive McDonald's. I don't think, I don't think at Giza, there's just like these pyramids and in the middle of the fucking desert, there's just a Mackie days. Have you not seen how close like the built up area of no, Egypt is to the pyramids? It's like, 
it's like you're facing this way and you're like oh my god this is incredible you turn around oh there's grass <laughs> really yeah it's they're right beside each other fuck's sake man have you people have no decorum um but another recognizable one is the eye of horus also known as the widget um again everyone kind of knows that symbol the eye of horus um it's the the eye with the i actually don't have a visual reference for this it's the eye of horus is the eye with the little loop at the end so the eye of horus um it basically it comes from the osiris myth which is basically set um the god of storms and chaos um set was basically not too happy with his brother he wanted to be king classic story he murked um osiris it was the king of the gods at the time it was the first murder um and basically during like obviously horse it was osiris is almost like you can't be just killing me that um set reefed out one of horse's eyes um and then thought was like oh i'll help you out lad so thought in the the he was very important a cultic figure um the the basically the god of knowledge and magic um thought comes along and heals his eye um and then later on when osiris is like load of bullshit happened um also horus um offers his eye to basically to his dead dad um and it has like a kind of revivifying power um to osiris in the afterlife so the reason why i mention all that is and this is where we kind of see more specific purposes and how that amulets can have um although they're about protection they can have like really kind of specific applications you know because the wedget was often placed um inside like literally inside of a mummy sometimes like they would put it in the stomach or whatever or just on the mummy's chest um for protection in the afterlife journey um they wouldn't uh, it's more likely that they just place it on their chest but you can see that from i mean we get a lot of that um mortuary culture from egypt like the whole idea of like that putting the chest and the greeks putting the coins on the eyes and and then i mean well we talked about it in necromancy remember like the it's nearly in all cultures where the norwegians were sticking pins and dead people's feet and everything don't get me started on that oh i know man you were so mad Twig, twigs in the jacket um <laughs> the so where we see a kind of evolution to another really um like well-known one is a kind of around the the 13th century we see these little glass beads um and they start to get mainly on wedgets um on the eye of horse um when people are wearing around the neck and all little glass beads start to come with that and then time people forget or it kind of a mimetic mutation it kind of just the idea of it evolves um this is where people aren't agreed in it but this is where a lot of people say within well, nazar comes from again 
everyone has probably seen. I would say it's one of the most occultic, like one of the most recognizable occultic magical symbols next to the pentagram and the ankh. But the thing is that it's so common that people don't even. Um, yeah. Shout out to Nazar. Shout out to Nazar. I told you Neve has a tattoo of it, right? Yeah. Um, t- shout out to her only fan, Neve. Um, the so yeah, some people say this is where the Nazar comes from from Egypt. Um, that's debated. Um, but we won't get too much bogged down in the history of it. So it's an eye shaped amulet. Um, believed to protect against specifically the evil eye. So everyone knows this blue, often glass, um, white, then bright blue, then a black, um, little pupil in the middle. Um, in more terrible pronunciations coming right up in Turkey, it's called the Nazar Bongugu. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And in Greece, it is the Mati. Um, look, I'm trying, okay? I remembered all these pronunciations and then I just forgot them. Um, so the saying is like, eye for an eye do you know what I mean that's where that kind of comes from it's an eye to protect you from someone basically giving you the stink eye which the evil eye is basically a psychic stink eye where someone doesn't like you so much that their bad luck will just their side eye will basically do you physical or mental harm I thought an eye for an eye was like if someone fucks you over you fuck them over yeah it it is that but also that's where it comes from because it's like it, you bounce back the evil eye. But also it's quite literal, you know. Um, yeah, so like I said, it's a maleficent gaze. Yeah, but an evil eye can kind of be anything. A lot of cultures say it could even be a, uh, an offhanded compliment. Um, it could be anything. Um, so wearing a Nazar kind of gives you that. Um like all around a 24 hour all day all weather protection um so some cultures actually have phrases which come and this is where words of power come into it so phrases with the nazar um i mean which i actually didn't um know this which i actually thought was really interesting um so in hindi and urdu it's um chasam e bador um which means um, far be the evil eye, um, and it's it's mashallah, um, in Arabic, which is what God has willed, um, and then there's so many more, but they're all kind of around like the will of God, and it's a basically just instructions. Do you know what I mean? It's basically like computer code. You know, you say these things. To you input it into the device so it works, you know? You think yeah. about it that Otherwise way. Otherwise, the eye is like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, pretty much. Some Now, that's only some cultures, you know? A lot of time, people just wear it, but it really depends on the belief. Um, Yeah, like, again, this is where we get into symbolism. And, like, the 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 breaking down of all the different... So, using the computer analogy again... Or like just a machine in general. Although these meanings mightn't be what the cultural actually intended, 
culture actual intended it's good to kind of go think of it in a kind of collective unconscious way um and then kind of relate all the different all the different components and elements and see how that kind of see what each one's means you know even if they're that's not actually what their meaning is you know so if you think about it like a machine you know the, each part of it of the amulet or the talisman um each it, the color choice the the shapes and stuff each part of it is like a little cog in the machine and it all they all correspond and they work together because they're all towards the same goal why do you think blue was chosen Blue, well, blue often, blue often means communication, um, psychologically anyway. Um, and it's also just a protective color. I mean, I have associations with water and water is kind of a, a passive protective element. Um, and blue is often to do with um, communications and like, I suppose, kind of the the eyes and the mouth sort of the face um well yeah so just like dotted circles for example right um the in alchemy the alchemical symbol of the sun and for in um classical medieval astrology the sun is actually a circle with a dot in it and then in the kabbalistic tree of life um kether is the top sephiroth um, the crown. <sighs> Deep breath. We're going to do a full episode yep. on the Kabbalah when I'm mentally ready. Yup, the Kabbalah. Um, but really long story, really short, is the Kabbalah. Kabbalah in Hindu? No, no, Kabbalah's Jewish mystery. Jewish, yeah. Jewish um, the tree of life is a map for the divine, the emanate, the divine emanations of creation of God, and and each one represents different things, and then the top one, which is, but everything and nothing. It just don't think about it. Each one has different associations with with planets and angels, and well, basically the top one is Kether, and Kether is a circle with a dot. My brain was gonna explode. Um, also, the the archangel Metatron. He. Um, I sound like I'm describing like a TV show or something. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking transformer. Yeah, Metatron. Um, Metatron guards. He guards Kether, which um, so he's kind of the guardian of all life from that. Um. Now, this isn't the, so all those things, right? So we we went from the sun, which a lot of the time has healing um, associated with the eyes, associated with sight, um, healing properties and stuff. I mean, in the Arbatel, the 12 Olympian spirits, um, the 12 Olympian spirits, one of them is, the one that's associated with the sun is a healing spirit, you know? Um, in alchemy, the sun is often it's with rebirth, you know. Um, and then when you put it all together, and then on the Kabbalistic tree of life, it's 
Kether, and then Kether is guarded by Metatron, who's a guardian. He guards all of life, and then that's how you get to the Nazar, the circle in the in the dot in the middle of the circle being protective. Now, yeah. I doubt because all those different ideas and developments came at different times before and after and stuff. I doubt that's what they actually had in mind for the Nazar, but that's just an example of the kind of thought that goes into it. Well, circles just present in a lot of different cultures. Oh yeah, like we'll probably yeah. do an entire episode on just circles, on yeah. magic circles. We'll probably do it on the in the symbol episodes. Um, the Hamsa again is also to protect from evil eye, and it also kind of it um, it has a symbol in it that basically looks like the Nazar again. Um, people have definitely seen it. It's the hand with the eye in the middle. Um, I think I know it. Yeah, I do know it. Yeah, oh, you might. Um, yeah. So, Northwest Africa, um, the Middle East, um, bit of everywhere really. Um, it's often kind of in silver, where silver is famously for. So many reasons in different cultures. Famously um, protective. I mean... Kills werewolves. Kills werewolves. In some cultures it kills vampires. Um, it's against demons. It's... Um, yeah, silver is... Silver is pretty great. Um, there's different names for the Hamsa. Hand of Mary. The Hand of Maryam. Hand of the Goddess. Um, it's the most well-known name though is the Hand of Fatima. Um, which is after the daughter of the Prophet Muhammad in Islam. Um, so, it kind of, um, it has like different associations with the, in in um, ancient Carthage, which is modern day um, Tunisia, um, and associations with the goddess um, Inanna, um, which is also known as Ishtar. Heard of Ishtar. Um, yeah, Ishtar is a pretty big deal. Um, she's kind of a, she is the ultimate girl boss. She's the big, yeah. Ishtar is all about sex and warfare and going on long trips to the underworld. She's she's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so that's where the association with fertility kind of starts for the Hamsa because she's a fertility goddess, Ishtar. Um, so then from there, um, we the Hamza was kind of mainly to protect small babies from the evil eye. Um, and again, that's where people see it as an Egyptian amulet because a lot of them were to protect children and childbirth and stuff. Um, and a lot of them kind of... The wedget would sometimes turn up in like hands and stuff like that and art. Um but never mind that. Um, some people, which I thought was this is really interesting, some people say that it's not actually meant to be a hand. It's actually like a vulva. Sometimes there were like little amulets found that were vulvas of the so basically the supreme Carthaginian goddess Tanit, um, which I just thought was really interesting and hardcore. Um, but even now, like the Hamsas are very um dominant symbol in a lot of cultures especially in Ju- um in Judaism um 
it's used in marriage contracts. Um, there a lot. There's very ornate ones that are used in pointers in the Thor in the Torah. Um, they're kind of often decorated around synagogues and stuff like that. Um, there are some to do with the five fingers. There's some Kabbalistic associations with the Hamza, um, Hebrew numerology, but we're just. It's not that you guys aren't ready for that. This podcast is meant to be for. We'll do it years in the future. <laughs> this podcast is meant to be for. Just people who want to get into this stuff, you know what I mean? It, it just starting off. It's not just so big and esoteric. So if we were going to do Kabbalistic, that would be completely against that thesis statement if we were going to do it straight up. Um, if you want like a full in-depth uh, explanation of every single thing, this ain't a place. Yeah. This, this is like, this is your, your teasers, your taster. Yeah. This is your, this is your tester pot of paint. Go buy the bucket. Yeah, we will... We will do an episode on Kabbalah when I fully, I don't think I'll ever fully understand. I think anyone does think that's the point. Five years from now, you might get a Kabbalah. No, I, I say we do one soon, but just when I get my head around it a bit more. Um. Yeah, again, there's really interesting symbolism to though outside of the Kabbalistic stuff, which of course is interesting. Um, so it's the fact that the eye is in the middle. Um, again, it's like an eye for an eye. Um. Nearly every culture eyes are the gateways to the soul. Um, I mean, it's because they're the most vulnerable part and they're how you gauge emotion. Um, and they can be seen as kind of protectful, sim- protective symbols like the Nazar because it's almost like the eyes of their god. It's watchfulness, you know? And I suppose that's where the... Well, what I pick up on, that's where the kind of association with fertility and with children is, you know? Like you're watching them, you're... Yeah, you're keeping a keeping an eye on what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then of course the five fingers would probably be interpreted of the the five elements. Um, well, the four elements including. Let's say what are the five elements? The four elements, including four elements. Yeah, and then the fifth element, spirit. Like on the pentagram. Because oh, okay. obviously I know earth, war, yeah. fire, wind, air. Yeah, and then the fifth element is a half-naked woman who runs around with Bruce Willis. Nice. I like her. Um, What's her name in that movie again? Never seen it. We've never seen no. the, the fifth element? It's Madman. Luke Basson, I think the director is. Bruce Willis is in it, so it's probably going to be fucking up. Oh, it is. It's crazy. Um, Yeah, so the five elements make up the physical world, you know? Um, earth, water, fire, air, and um, spirit. They make basically the physical world, if it makes sense. There's also the five senses. Um, and then it's like the hand is, this hand, the Hamsa, is protecting the, the kind of all the five faculties. So that's all. Five shows up in a lot of things. You have five fingers, five toes, five senses. Five elements, no? Yeah, maybe that's why. That's why a lot of people say the pentagram is the ultimate symbol of the macrocosm and the microcosm of as above, so below, because it's, it replicates everything. Insert mind-blowing noise. 
Well, that was very convincing. Um, there's also the connection with the the mudras. Mudras are different poses. Um, most of which are hands, and they're featured in Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Shivism, um, those kind of Vedic um, beliefs. Um, the the Abhya Mudra um, is basically again. I'm so sorry. Sanskrit, y'all. Sanskrit is not easy to pronounce. Um, Abhya Mudra. Abhya Mudra. Yeah. Close enough. Abhya um, Mordia. <laughs> I played Mordia. Um, the this particular mudra is where you place your palm up with the hand facing out and the five fingers extended and it's a gesture of um fearlessness which is exact exactly what the hamza would be you know no Lee um the it's on statues of the of the buddha um there's also um Look, I can't do all this research and remember to pronounce all the names. Um, Hindu god Nataraja. Yeah, so Nataraja, who's a depiction of Lord Shiva as kind of a cosmic dancer. He's doing that a lot. A dancer? Yeah, he's a cosmic dancer. What's wrong with that? He's dancing around the cosmos. Naked? No, why did you assume naked? I don't know. He's just dancing around with his many arms and he's just like, what's up? That's the dude with like sixty arms. This is Hinduism we're talking about. You're gonna have to be more specific. They all have sixty arms. Alright, never mind then. <laughs> they don't it's Why do they all have so many arms? I don't know. They just a lot of the time it's probably to express um the idea of multiplicity and the multitudes in Hinduism. So the whole idea that all gods are kind of one because they're all related to Brahman, which is the absolute universe. So Vishnu, so Krishna is a an avatar of Vishnu, and Vishnu is one of the three is the Trimurti, which are the three um, supreme gods of Brahma, um, Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu, Creator. Um, this is actually relevant. Um, Creator, Destroyer, and Preserver. Um. No, but that's what the thing. So, this guy, the cosmic dancer, he's the ultimate god, even though he's not Shiva. He's just an avatar of Shiva. So, like a mask of Shiva, just say, like a costume he puts on. But he is just as important as Shiva because they are they are the same. Because pleasure and pain are the same and all that, yeah. you know? So, the reason why in a lot of art, I would speculate anyway, but they have many faces and many arms and stuff like that, is to express that whole idea of like, Everything is one. Everything is just this massive, broccoli. infinite multiplicity. Yes, broccoli. If you haven't listened to the first episode, you'd be very confused. But basically, broccoli. broccoli. Watch the first episode. Watch the first episode. It might be a bit boring if you watch it. Ah. We're entertaining as fuck. No, if you watch it. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. What are you going to do? Are you just going to watch the, the little the bar? Oh, I can't fuck. I'm going to mute this thing. And I'll just watch oh, the little... Oh, the bear's coming the quarter way. Oh. Um, we will have visuals soon. Oh, Someday. Yeah. 
there's um a lot of cool frescoes actually with the um the buddha with this particular mudra and then it's just like a big fucking elephant stomping along and he's just like hand up talk to the hand they are mad for the elephant and the elephant <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah, yes they are they are they do indeed like out of well ganesha is very sacred ganesha class. ganesha is it ganesha Ganesh. Oh, I've heard Ganesh, but I didn't know. It's Ganesh. All right. I'm not getting cancelled by Hindus. I'm not. I'm not being disrespectful <laughs> at all. If you're Hindu, oh, they're gonna kill you, man. It's too late. If you're a Hindu too fan, late. I'm not being too late. Disrespectful. Too late. I just. I thought it was Ganesh. No, no they. Your your house is already open flames. All the taxis and all have like an elephant on their dashboard over there. Yeah, he's the um the god of overcoming obstacles. Um, they just drive through them. He's he's meant to be. He's meant to be um, the god that you worship before all other gods. Really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, those frescoes of Buddha um, and the elephants hammer home that kind of protective element of the go- of the of the hand. I mean, um, and then other amulets are kind of like little, and we'll see this a lot more with talismans. Um, rolled up pieces of paper. Um, they're kind of placed inside something. Normally, they have verses from holy texts, um, Torah verses, um, Quranic texts, um, the Vedic texts, and stuff like that. All rolled up and then put in like a little um, reliquary. Um, that so that's basically amulets. Um, now we're gonna move on to not that I don't find amulets interesting, but this stuff, the talisman stuff, is. Yeah, it gets um, it gets nice and complex. Um, I mean, put it this way: I'm looking at the the file for the research, and it's fucking huge. Where? How big is it? I mean, we've done amulets, and we're only about a quarter of the way down. Oh yeah, we're on page five of fifteen. <laughs> um, Strap yourselves in, lads. Hold on to your butts. And otherwise, um, and otherwise, the word talisman comes from the Arabic um, tilsan or tilsam. Um, I'm my Arabic pronunciation is normally better. The word talisman comes from the Arabic tilsam, which in turn comes from the ancient Greek um, talisma, which means basically a religious rite, um, a payment. Which hold on to that word payment, um, a payment or a completion. Um, and that come from the verb delio, which mean which meaning I I complete or perform a right. Um, which the ontology of that word is actually quite important later on. So we can already see from that kind of language that it indicates a right. It's a it's a task. Do you know what I mean? It's active. You're you're doing something. Do you know? Um, because amulets are very stationary. Do you know they're um. Um, a poetropaic magic. So amulets are poetropaic magics, which are protective magic. Talismans are auspicious, which is conductive, reaching out. Think of like an instrument, you know. Um, I was actually listening to a. Well, I was actually watching um a book review as I do, um on the Foolish Fish YouTube channel. Shout out to Foolish Fish, absolute great resource for um getting into occult books. He reviews them um, and kind of tells you where's the best place to start and stuff. Fantastic. But he actually, from one of his episodes, he turned me on to a, 
an episode of another podcast, um, which is Rune Soup, which if it probably wasn't for for a lot of podcasts, but Rune Soup would be one of them. Um, we wouldn't be doing this. But um um the Caitlin um Caitlin Kopak, which um is she's the owner of the Sphere and Sundry organization, which do a lot of really important things with um um astrology. Um she kind of put it in a really interesting way what talismans are and I kind of I think it's kind of become not my definition of it, but I think when I heard that I was kind of like this would be perfect for the podcast, perfect for a real kind of succinct way of describing it. So basically what she says is that a talisman is a moment in time captured in an object, which I think is a really fucking interesting way of putting it. A dope way of explaining yeah. it. So the that the particular moment, whatever words are said, um, whatever kind of feeling the magician has when they're making it, the planetary alignments, the date, the hours, the astrological correspondence at the time, all of them are locked in place when this talisman is made and it's consecrated and there, it it becomes a part of it. Everything to do with that moment is so in that moment when you want something really badly, so you want to learn how to to understand all languages when you do all the different correspondences and stuff and do all the different symbolisms and that that want that desire that moment where everything comes together is trapped in this little necklace or ring or sword or whatever it is um i just think it's a really um like interesting way of of putting it and i suppose then that's where the kind of the materials come in all the different materials correspond to that moment you know like certain metals um the colors the the what the actual object is the choice of the object um the words being said they're all like we talked about with amulets the little pieces of the machine you know the little cogs um and i mean cause talismans are like specific magical machines almost they're for a specific purpose um there's i mean you're talking about inflict pain bring wealth basically like they help in a conflict with a spirit bring love um i mean generally good luck i mean a rabbit's foot you know that's kind of good luck a representation of a god if you know anyone who is wearing a crucifix that is a if they believe that that crucifix protects them in a way, then technically it's an amulet, you know? I mean, probably wouldn't say that because it'd probably offend them. But, say it. But, <laughs> have air permission to say it. <laughs> you have Lee's permission to say it. Um, but amulets... Sorry, yeah, so that would be an amulet. But say if someone, like... Say if someone's using a rosary bead for prayers, you know what I mean? Like, well, they're they're meant to be used... Technically, at that given time, that's a talisman. You think about it that way. I mean, it is. Yeah. And yeah, of course it's magic, because like, a lot of Western esotericism comes from Christianity. I mean, most grimoires, before you... Uh, it, if someone a demon, you have to basically make an appeal to God. Well, I mean, realistically, like, like if you want to go on that line, like, obviously, like, Christianity and stuff like that are big on, like, oh, magic's bad and all that, but, like, the fuck are you doing when you're blessing the bread and the wine? Is that not a spell? Is that not magic? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it would be magic because they're taking a... You're invoking a, a god, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you're invoking um, a divinity, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose, like, it's uh, later on, like what we talked about with um, necromancy, religion kind of, when it got more organized and it's got its shit together, it different differing opinions and stuff like that. They basically didn't want people to be... It It wasn't really about that personal relationship to god anymore do you know what i mean so it was kind of about well we don't want people to be like as powerful as god so that's where a lot of the magic and all that's where they they tried to make it illegal but when you tell people not to do things gonna do it. they're gonna do it do you know um but yeah i just think that stuff is fascinating um but anyway back on the talismans um yeah like they can be that specific moment, and I suppose some people would, especially people in the kind of ceremonial magic and the hermetic traditions, would kind of um, disagree with me, and they'd say a talisman is specifically when you get a spirit to imbue some of their power onto it, which I think that is a talisman, but I do think it's not. It's not just that, you know. I don't. I don't like. I don't like limiting definitions like that. Um, the bag you made for me is that a talisman? Oh yeah, I made Lee a kind of. Um, I hesitate to call it a mojo bag, but it would have been based off what you're gonna. Um, we will definitely talk about mojo bags. Um, yeah, that would be a talisman. Yeah, for wealth, wasn't it? Wealth. Yeah, you're unlucky now. Rolling in it, fucking yeah! Absolutely rolling in it. Absolutely fucking rolling. You're like in it. you're like a a a ginger Elon Musk. I've never been more wealthy. Yeah, make 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 cash fast. It's gonna be like one of those ads. Yeah, <laughs> make cash fast. Get a bag off there. Yeah, oh, getting a few bags. A few bags. Um, yeah. So talismans affect reality. They shape reality in. A, a very specific way. So meaning that the the symbolism is, it gets very, very specific. I mean, we said from even amulets, again, we're going back to sonnets from holy texts, um, reference to different planetary powers, the zodiac, iconography, different deities, spirits, colors, sigils, psychological associations, anything with allegorical weight to it. Um kind of physical energies of magical intent fueled by kind of a combined ray of imagery, if that makes sense. Um, what I like about talismans, though, is... And amulets, too, but I think that specificity for talismans is particularly important to me because it's like little works of art, you know? And... That doesn't mean, though, when you make one, it has to follow kind of conventional beauty. I mean, like art, it should break convention. And I think this is what I find really important about magic in general, and it's quite a personal thing. Like, I like my talismans. They're very DIY, do you know what I mean? They're very kind of, they look, there's still care, and there's still craftsmanship, and there still is. Like, I've spent time on the symbolism and stuff like that, and I've spent time... But they're kind of thrown together. Like I've made talismans out of like little sweet boxes and 
little nuts and bolts and stuff like that. So they like that. I like the kind of punk DIY style because it's a part of me. Do you know what I mean? I might as well have like a bit of my blood and hair on it, which links me to all those different correspondences. Which it's it's my talisman. The powers of that talisman are ultimately linked to me, so I'll reap those benefits. I don't need to put blood and hair in it because because it's my particular style. Because I made it the way in a way that only I could make. That's my personality, and I think that's something really special. And I think for a lot of people, I think that's where the suspension of disbelief can be, and that's where the real kind of power is. Because who can deny that? Who can deny that? Oh, I've made this Saturnian talisman and it has all these references to Saturn and stuff like that and the the black cube and all this stuff and it's done in like my specific style that only I could make this yeah it's individual and who like how can you I just find it very hard to believe that you wouldn't feel that that has some sort of power that some some sort of extra normal weight to it um and I think that's where we'll um a nice little ending. I think that's where we'll we'll pick up with part two of Amulets and Talismans. Um and we're gonna talk um to you about how to make that dollar dollar bill, y'all. Well, before before we end Oh I, I had a little thing. Oh? Okay. Oh? Look at this Lee's contributing. Oh, you do contribute. You wreck me head and you almost <laughs> get us cancelled. So Obviously, I told you during the week that I was reaching out to a few people. Yeah, a few um, friends. I um, I reached out to a few, a few of my friends and a few uh, people that I knew uh, for some questions to throw in. You didn't reach out but to me. I didn't. I reached out to my friends. I'm your friend. We're my coworkers. We're colleagues. Associates. Associates. Right. I'm glad we've defined our boundaries. Um, well, I'm hardly going to reach out to you for a question about the podcast that we're doing. I know, but I still feel a bit hurt. Have you got a question? Tell you what, I'll, I'm going to fire you a question. You ask me a question back, okay? Okay. Right. Have a think about it quick. Right, I will. So I reached out to all my multitudes of friends and um, asked, asked them to throw in right. questions. And uh, I have one question. <laughs> I got one back. Was it from me? <laughs> it wasn't from you, um. But I think it's quite interesting. Um, so, uh, it was asked by my girlfriend Niv. Um, and the question was, uh, I'll get the exact wording of it up here because I don't want to. I want to do it justice here. So, if you yourself were to be a talisman, okay, if you were to transform yourself into a talisman. What would you be? What form would it take, and what would it do? That's really interesting, actually. I think I would... I think if I had to pick, I'd probably be like... That's a bit weird, man. Fuck it. There's these things in Icelandic magic called necrofants. Where they are the skin of someone's legs. Okay, cool. I I just think if I died, I'd love my legs to be used as a necrofans because basically it's the skin of well first of all you gotta ask permission you gotta be like hey when you die can I use your legs for like this big talisman thing so then after that basically you're getting this skin and you wear these these, they're basically like jeans made of human skin just someone's lower half 
and you you pull them up. They have a nice landing stave on the back of it. You pull it up, um, and you store a coin in the scrotum. You make a slit in the scrotum, and every time when you reach back in, there's just fucking tons of money in your little scrotum. You know what I mean? So it it duplicates money. Um, but. Yeah, and I also love the way, like, how Scandinavian, like, you have to ask permission. And then, yeah, and then and then you can you can kind of pass it on stuff. But yeah, the necrofans, so you just reach into your scrotum. and you, like, How hardcore is that? You go to the bank and you're just wearing, like, someone's fucking skin on your legs. So, would you have any extra? Would that, like, be purely what you would be? Like, that would be your power? Would you have any individual I, I, powers I like, that yourself would have? I I don't know. I just it's not even like that. I want to be something that produces money and stuff. I just think it would be if I could be anything. I just think it would be. I suppose I'm just thinking realistically. Yeah. Like I I actually could be necrofans if someone flayed my legs. I mean, it's it's fucking sick idea. Anything's, anything's possible. Anything is possible if you have a knife. Yeah. Yeah. I there's some. Yeah, no, I say there would be. I mean, being a phylactery would be nice, which we're going to talk about part two, which is. Part two, yeah. But, um. That's, we're not even half, we're, we're barely halfway through the research. So, like, this is this is definitely a part two. Yeah. But, um, yeah, join us in part two where we'll talk about, um, how to make some moolah, um, in an example of how to make a talisman. We'll be talking about planetary squares, the hidden origins of mojo, mojo bags, um, and Islamic occult sciences, and lots of other um, crazy stuff that I can't think of at the top of my head because this research has taken over my life. So, <laughs> not me. Um, so, yeah, I think we leave it off there. Yeah, I'll- thanks for watching. Watching again. Thank you for watching your phone screen as the bar progressed across. As above, so below. I will this to be, and in this blessing I am free. Thank all spirits, subject unto.